This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And I suck you up and I spit you out and I play with your babies till you scream Hello, flamethrowers, and happy Mother's Day. This is Shireen Ahmed coming to you from Toronto, and with me is my amazing co-host, Dr. Amir Rose Davis, who is in State College in Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to have a really deep and warm conversation about Mother's Day. Now, Amir and I, between us, have seven babies, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, amongst our amazing, amazing team, there are two other moms and Jessica and Brenda could actually not be here today for this specific hot take because they are mothering. So we just want to send them a lot of love and a lot of love to Lindsay. So that's what that is. Now we're just going to dive right in. Amira, can you tell me what Mother's Day is for you? Certainly. Um, I want to acknowledge that this day can be multiple things for many people. Um, For some people, it's a joyous occasion to celebrate um, their moms. um, And for others, whether they have a difficult relationship with their mother or um, they're dealing with Mother's Day after the loss of a mother or for whatever reason the day brings up complicated feelings, I want to give space and acknowledge that as well. For me, Mother's Day has been an evolution. It's been many of those feelings that I just named. Um, I am slash was adopted. And for, um, you know, a lot, most of my childhood and adolescence, I wasn't in contact with my biological mom. And so Mother's Day was kind of like a, a sting, a pain, a reminder of loss in a way. And, but at the same time, I was adopted by um, two women. And so Mother's Day was also complicated because at the same time I was feeling this immense loss, I was in school needing to tell my art teacher that I need to make double whatever um, our Mother's Day gift to parents were. You know, how do you deal with having excess of moms but also not feeling but feeling a kind of innate loss around mother and mothering as well and that started to change once I had my own kids um, because it reshaped my relationship to the day Um, as I had my my oldest Samari and I had her fairly young so I was 19 I just turned 19 and I was you know, it, she was the first biological relative I'd ever seen in my entire life. And, wow. um, you know, it, it didn't help that my in-laws kept telling me how much she looked like them, but, no, <laughs> you know, that, I, yeah, I, no. <laughs> but I, but it was, 
it's something that like fundamentally changed my relationship with Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that changed it, and I think this is, you know, part of the conversation that I want to have is that because of all of this kind of turmoil around this day, it was really helpful to me to think of mothering expansively and to give space to, and I started acknowledging fairly early, all the people, not just women, but mainly women in my life who had done acts of mothering, whether they were mothers themselves or had children or whatever, but there's all these ways that you can be mothered and you can mother yourself. And that to me is also the significance of the day. My best friend couldn't be at my birth with Samari. Nobody was there, just me and Michael, but my best friend's mom showed up. And, you know, to this day, I always send her, you know, a text or some acknowledgement to say, you have, you mothered me in one of my most vulnerable spaces. Right. And I think that there is a whole army of, of mothers whether they're, you know, have children, like I said, or not, who have acted in mothering ways that have really sustained me over the course of my life. Uh, So when I think about this day, that's where I'm at. What about you? Yeah, absolutely the same. I just, everything you're saying resonates so much. Like I, you know, that whole expression from the country that is Africa, that it takes a village, you know, like (laughs) that whole idea. But I mean, I think just touching upon that a little bit, the community that we have like in in the global community like those that took to raise me like my mother was an immigrant to Canada and when she wanted to requalify for her job she had to like go through all kinds of training again which left my parents who were you know not super young because I was about seven and my brother was I think 10 um we relied heavily on a neighbor and this neighbor, they were from the same province in India, though they were a Hindu family. So we were very, 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 very close. So she mothered me in ways because my mother was talking to her and said, Gita, like I'm going to get a babysitter. And Auntie Gita was like, why are you going to do that? Your kids are here every day after school anyway. So like, don't worry about (laughs) it. Like I got you. Now Auntie Gita died when I was 17. She died of breast cancer and her son, Like I, it's so funny that I'm talking about Auntie Gita because it's the first place my mind goes when we talk about moms, because she was mm. she was like mine. It's a completely different faith, and also if you look geopolitically at that place, it's a place that there should have been some type of conflict, or there was none. She was an absolutely incredibly loving mother. She was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and to this day, mm. like people are going off about Pranka Chopra. I'm sorry, Pranka, you're gorgeous, but you got nothing on Auntie Gita. And <laughs> her um, eldest son was five days younger than my older brother. Her second son, Alok, was two days older than me. So we were raised as twins, mm. like two sets of twins. And then they had a younger right. sister named Neeti, who if my mother had another kid would be within a week of her, we assumed. But um, so w- she was everything. Like the reason I'm addicted to paneer and is because of her and fresh booty. Like she was a very dedicated vegetarian. She, you know, she had kale before it was popular. Like she was just, she was the most phenomenal woman I've ever known. And just going to her house was like home. And that's one example, particularly when at that time and my mother started retraining, I went from seeing my mother all the time to seeing her maybe four hours a week for a series of months mm. because she was working 18 hour shifts. And I remember once just crawling, she crawled into bed with me because I was asleep when she got back. And she was so like wrecked that she'd have to leave again in six hours that she wanted to be close to her kids. So she would just sleep with us. And 
you know, it was just, it was a big shift in my life at that point. And that's something that I think about now as I'm mothering. Like I have four teenagers, which sounds really wild to say, but <laughs> I do. And um, I was a fairly young mom. Like I got married at 21 and had a baby nine months later, pretty much, right. who was um, premature. My eldest son was six weeks early and he was born at the cusp of 34 weeks. And I was the youngest on my father's side. And I hadn't had a lot other than babysitting like kids who are like in middle, like elementary school, I hadn't had a lot of exposure to babies. So this baby came and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Also, because he was premature, <laughs> I missed the last two classes of, 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 of mother parenting class. So I had no idea mm. what would happen after birth. And so I'm standing there in the NICU because he was in the NICU for a couple of weeks, rinsing out breast pumps. Right. And I, my uterus started to contract, but nobody told me that's what was going to happen. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's something else in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, another baby. When is this going to end? And, like, I, I just doubled over in pain because it was quite painful. And nobody ever talks about the afterbirth. Like, nobody ever talks oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that, that what you're saying, like, I had no idea. I, I remember leaving the hospital and me and, my, me and Michael were like, wait, like, you're just giving us yeah, this baby know, to take right. out. And we got to the, like, you know, they you pull cars around and you're supposed to get in the car and put her in the car seat and all this stuff. And we could not figure out for the life of us how to how to do the well, seat. The seat, like, is, the seat is a nightmare. And oh, my I gosh. Had, it was like I, I could not. I know. I handed in my last paper for university for that year on May 8th and he was supposed to be born June 21st. He came on May 12th and mm. it was, we, we had nothing. Like I went to get a car seat. My best friend, Catherine was there. She just, it's just the universe is great. She just happened to be there. And we went to Sears while I was in labor. Oh, and gosh. I just remember gnawing on Twizzlers. I was very early stages of, of labor, but I was in labor right. getting a car seat because they won't dis they won't let you discharge the baby. They won't discharge a baby to you unless you have a car seat. Those are the rules right. here. So I, it was just like what? And I had literally nothing. Like as I had planned out that I was going to do everything, and so this little guy came along, and I was just like, first of all, um, this is a little penis, and I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> what, like, what do you mean he's going to pee at me? Like. They pee at you. They pee directly at you. And I was not prepared for that. <laughs> so, I mean, he was he was just lovely. He was also really small and super jaundiced. And, you know, he was in the... In yeah, all, yeah I, I just remember sitting in the car and the security guard came out and was like, you, you guys got to move the car. And we're like, we can't. Oh, we're no. driving. You know, but I think that what happened, and I've talked about this before, but what happened in the wake of that, you know, I was in the middle of a semester and I literally had to write a paper from the hospital because people are, are ridiculous and unyielding. But um, I, I didn't want to take time off. And everybody in my life, supportive or otherwise, was, you know, encouraging me to drop out of school or go to community college, do all this stuff. And I was a sophomore and I was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to keep going to school. And one of the things that happened was that people, college students, you know, my friends really stepped up and I had known them for like a year and a half, right? Because I had just gotten to Philadelphia. I was a, I was a sophomore, like I said, Michael's frat brothers um, babysat, people came to classes and sat with me in Samari. Um, people took her every Thursday night so that I could stay in school. Like it was 
it was an amazing village that we carried mm-hmm. it around yeah. us filled with all sorts of people yeah. who practiced the act of mothering. Um, and that is something deeply profound to me, but it also speaks to something, you know, we've talked on the show a lot about athletic moms mm-hmm. and we've talked mm-hmm. about physiological changes. We talked about, you know, institutional changes like in the WTA, mm-hmm. we've talked a lo- lot about it, but one of the things I thought maybe we would think about for a sec is that what we're doing here on this show is also a labor of love. And there's a way that sometimes what gets elided, what gets hidden are the way that working moms juggle their work responsibilities and their children. And so one of the things you don't see so often is us muting our mics because there's kids banging on the door, (laughs) their dog barking at, you know, all this stuff. So if anybody came to our live show in New York, you saw that like we had, I had all three of my kids mm-hmm. with me and my oldest was kind of trying to watch the boys in the back. But at some point, my youngest, Zachary, who's two and a half and decided that he could just not be, <laughs> you know, without us anymore mm-hmm. and ran to the front and sat on my lap. And there's pictures of Zachary at the microphones mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. us. Um, he went right to Shireen and, you know, Shireen was was mothering him on the panel um, immediately. But that is, that is some of what happens behind the scenes for us. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you said at the top, Brendan, uh, Brendan and Lindsay are doing various things with kids. I've had numerous times where I've like locked my kids out of the doors, but like given them like duck donuts and iPads and headphones and I'm like just I need to record for 45 minutes make no noise I'm I'm (laughs) astonished that you do that and like you said with Bren and Bren's got three beautiful brilliant girls and Jessica has the formidable Aiden and you know when we're having meetings Aiden will come and say hi to us on our our Google chat meetings and say hi to everybody like my kids are the eldest the oldest and but Mm -hmm. what you mentioned about us mothering each other's kids and supporting each, each other's kids is really interesting because we have our own little community on Burn It All Down. And my kids will look to my co-host as like aunties or whatever. And my kids definitely, particularly my daughter Jihad looks to you, Amira. And I know she relies on you mm-hmm. and, and Brenda particularly for other thick academic things and, you know, sports related things. And so my boys know that, like they'll come and they'll say, hi, there's a comfort there. But like you said, Zachary came to me. It's almost like we've also conditioned our kids to know that they can lean on other women. And this right. is a really beautiful part of that it is for me because I was a very young mom and my mother wasn't here. She was in Halifax and I was in Toronto. Mm. So I, I had a huge in-law family, but they were like an hour away. So it was literally me and this baby. And I was like, I relied heavily on young mother's groups, uh, play time sessions, the library read. And I think as some of it was born out of a fear of me being alone. And you know, those mothers that are instantly like connected to the baby. I grew that like my eldest Mm. is the backbone of my life in many ways, but like I wasn't completely set. I wasn't ready, but that's what my journey was. And I would never take it back. So in terms of, and and I think, you know, I think about when we talk about like the aunties and the mothers, I think about Sydney, um, LaRue Dwyer and her son and her, and she's expecting now and her baby shower. She is very close to Ashlyn Harris, Ali Krager and Alex Morgan. And they are the aunties. Like you will see Ashlyn Harris just walking around with her son Cassius in like different photo, like practices or whatever. And I kept thinking about that's exactly what that is, that there's this not just an empath nature of mothers, but this 
understanding of, okay, so Zachary's walking up to the mic. Okay, Amir's going to say something. Will he come to me? Yes, he'll come to me. And I'm so irritated Michael didn't get those photos of him with me because, like, I want those photos. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's that natural, he knows and he came. And it would, like, I can't, I, I don't know how you do this with smaller children because I had four kids in five and a half years. There's no way I could get 45 minutes to record. There's no way that mm. would happen. It was like someone's throwing up on the carpet, <laughs> someone's drawing on the wall, someone's trying to hush everyone too loudly. Like, I just, props to you when I see that. And I just was just like, that's incredible that you're doing. And, and Brenda, like, you'll hear her mute, like, we'll see Brenda mute her mic, but then someone you know, she'll be, um, once I remember we were recording and she, she thought she pressed, uh, mute, but she did. And then she's consoling her daughter in Spanish or something happened. I think she got her finger stuck in her nose or there's something like that. Like, I can't remember what it was. And then there's me who will like mute my mic and like bellow at my kids, <laughs> which is what I did before we started recording this. Right. I, muted. I was like, I'm recording. So, well, before we end, there's two things that are on my political radar that kind of relates to these conversations that I would be remiss not to bring up. One, there's very scary happenings um, in in this country, United States right now, particularly in Georgia and other states attempting to follow suit, instituting essentially abortion bans. And I think we have to think about reproductive justice in an expansive way, we have to think about it as um, the the you know justice for women to make their own decision about women and other reproductive capable people to make decisions about their own bodies, um, mm -hmm. and so that people don't have to mother before they're ready. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to carry children that might be detrimental to their health. Um, and make no mistake, these bans um, and bills that are coming that uh, criminalize uh, seeking abortion after five weeks, after six weeks, they're bans. Many people don't know that they're pregnant at that time. If you look at the language in Georgia in particular, it's terrifying. If you help somebody cross state lines, if you give them money, if you support them in any way, you can also face imprisonment. There's absolutely no way to criminalize abortion without also punishing women. Um, and it is, it's terrifying moment. Um, and the other thing that is terrifying is, um, which I'm starting to see a renewed conversation about, is the high maternal morality rates, particularly for Black women in this country. Um, Black women experience maternal deaths three to four times that of, of white women. Um, and that risk of maternal morality persists after you control for socioeconomic status. So people like Serena or Beyonce, where you control for economic status, wealth, educational status, all of that still are more likely to die than um, a white woman in childbirth. And so we've talked about that with Serena's mm -hmm. case a lot on mm -hmm. this show, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying right now. And in holding space for the complications of this day, I want to hold space for um, mothers in bereavement. I had a close friend lose a, a child, and I know this day um, is hard. I know many people who suffer with infertility, with loss, 
And I think part of humanity, part of being human is holding this complication, holding this messiness. It's a, it's a little glimpse of what we try to do with sports is we try to make it messy. Say when it's too neat, when there's too bo- many boxes, when it's just one narrative, you often miss a lot of the picture here. You miss a lot of what's going on and there's a beauty in the mess, getting there and saying, this this is what's going on and this is messy and it's hard to it's nuanced it's hard to parse out but we we want to do the work to do that and i feel very similar about mothering i think it's messy and not just because kids are you know walking dump trucks or you know whatever but it's just messy the feelings that go into it are messy even within a single person they could be messy and evolving and complicated and i think part of why we wanted to record this together is to have that conversation to kind of wade into the mess a little bit and hold space for the pain that can be mother's day but also the beauty and our own evolving relationships with us as mothers but also just the work of mothering that we do not only to produce this show but um you know to acknowledge the work that people have done around us to create these kind of villages of strong formidable mothers um with or without kids who really have sustained I know my life and I think yours yeah as well, right? absolutely I think there's something my ex-husband found an article many years ago I think the New York Times and he was saying the CEO of a company gave his wife a financial bonus when he realized that the amount of work she did would be tantamount to 137,000 US dollars a year in terms of emotional labor and labor and he was stunned and that's per kid that's not total and Mm. like I'm thinking about that going like and you know we we had a conversation about emotional labor and stuff and I was like wow I was really impressed but there's the thing that he wouldn't have learned that if he didn't find it on his own. I had been saying that for years, right? But it, it, you know, it's kind of like whatever. But in terms of like my kids and my day, my day is fairly straightforward in terms of Mother's Day. I love it. I have a mother who I adore. I haven't always had an easy relationship with my mom because I didn't understand her choices. When I was at a point in my life, when I was a young mother, I thought that her role was to be just a grandmother and devoted. My mother's a very staunch career woman. And now I understand because I have one. I Mm. judged her for her choices. I was like, okay, no, that's not exactly, that's not at all, not exactly. That's not at all how feminism works. And that's not how being a supportive daughter works either. Like a child to this person who sacrificed so much, like, like just to be able to get where she is. And, you know, my mother's very honest. She's just not like, oh, I did this all for you and your brother. I mean, she's like, no, I did this because I'm damn good at what I do. And I worked hard, so hard for this. That's why I do this. That's why I care for my patients the way they do that, the way I do. That's why I'm 70 and still doing this. Like my mother works full time still and um, with flexibility. But I think that, you know, in terms of the messiness, it it hasn't always been, I am a better person because of my kids. I've learned the most from my children in terms of who I am. Like they teach you how to be patient, not by choice, because you have to be. And, you know, I, my relationship with this day is also um, very, it's, it's very intense for me because as a single mother, um, my role as a mom is the most important and intense one I've ever had. Like I've got writer, co-host, partner, you know, cat owner, which is also very, very important. Let's be honest about the animals of the Viad family. Um, but my kids are like the corners of my world, the four corners of my world. And I'm so proud of who they've become. This is the other thing. Like, and I'm so grateful for them and that, you know, being my kid is not easy. <laughs> like, being, 
being my child because <laughs> you know I have you know and they talk about like my anxiety and stuff like that and they know and they tease me a little bit but they're just becoming good people and that's when you have a kid in my opinion after just praying that the baby is healthy that's all you want for your kid um I just want them to be good people and my boys good allies and understand and that's a road it's a journey um but you know you, you look to it I want my daughter to to have those role models and lean on those women that's what she's already she's already got her own little lady army and um you know I'm I'm, I'm super grateful for that so yeah yeah and the other the last the last the uh, you know thing I'll say that group is as I'm aging now or getting older I don't know aging oh my god <laughs> Uh, as I'm going into my 30s, I'm also keenly aware of all the people who then mother their own parents um, yeah. and are caring, caring for aging parents and yeah. what that looks like and how yeah. you then give back the love you were, you know, given. And um, I wanted to hold space for that as well. It's it's uh, it's one of the many ways that what like we said at the top of show people mother and engage in acts of mothering um in a multitude of ways and so we just wanted to do a hot take to acknowledge that to talk about and talk through some of these complexities i um yeah and i and i was so happy to have the conversation with you shireen because you're such a um, um motherhood mentor for me um, oh and Mira, thank you i and I um, am so thankful that you're in my life. And then, like likewise, I continue to learn your story. You sharing your story with me, your tenacity and your love, and the way you your babies are beautiful. They're just they're wonderful people, and I love that. Like I, my dream is to actually get like a bad family photo one day, have all yes. the animals, all the babies, and and the way that you know it goes without saying allyship towards mother and having really con uh, honest conversations like we have these conversations with Lindsay as well um and just sort of like what it's like to not have kids and be in a space where everyone's a mother that can be complicated also and yes. you know just to again reiterate was what Amira was saying about everybody who mothers in a different way like me having a child like my daughter broke her finger in a soccer match a couple of weeks ago with Lindsay asking how she was that's part of being supportive of that and yes. you know all my my friends like asking about that is she okay checking in which was you know so wonderful so so wonderful and I just want to thank you too I want to thank burn it all down thank our flamethrowers wherever you are I hope this day holds joy for you um if you don't want to have this day I hope this day doesn't hold anything for you then but you know we wish you a lot of tranquility peace should it not you know you have lots of sports to keep you busy the bruins are back in action. <laughs> oh god the how did you the u.s women's bruins national team is playing days. friendly oh, <laughs> okay we're not gonna talk about the topic, but um, no no we're not okay my boys are calling gotta go okay <laughs> bye. the funny thing is is that the game seven with the raps and the 76ers is on Sunday night. And I'm like, Mother's mm. Day night, I'm going to be so frazzled because of this game. But like, that's okay. That's that's the way it is. I'm going to be fasting. I won't get breakfast in bed, which my daughter always choreographs. And the boys just mm. stand there looking like they know what she was up to. And I have no idea. But just, just to finish up, to wrap up, are you one of those parents 
or one of those moms, Amira, that's like, oh, whatever you give me is beautiful and I love it because I'm long past no. that. I am like, this well, is no. my Amazon list or this is what I want. Exactly. I'm like, this is my Amazon list. And also like, I'm like, this is so cute. If it's like what they've worked on in school, usually those are cute because the teachers do it. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Help them. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I'm not. I don't have a good poker face in that way. (laughs) And also, like, do you not just drown? I just drown in the, like, stuff, the crap they bring home from school. It's lovely from a distance for a five-minute period of time. And then I just, like, can't. I I don't know. I was, this was before Marie Kondo came out, but I was reading in a parenting mag about picking one thing huge from each year that the kids had done. And I learned this in my kids' co-op preschool, that what the parents did then, the the teachers were amazing. They had a folder and every month the kid put one thing into that folder. And then I would just recycle the rest because for kids, you don't imagine, you can't imagine. One year I tried to do that and I was like, I'm going to laminate it. And then it will be like, they can look back on it. And I did it for like a month. And then I was like, who the fuck has the time? time. And I love my babies, but I'm like, and I keep things like handprints are significant for me. So I'll keep them. But you know what? I'm, I'm done. I love you, but you can send me a text and that'll be more meaningful at this point. Like I just, (laughs) or I, and what I do expect from my kids is social media recognition. I've already prepped them. My eldest is like being this responsible person in Ramadan. He's like, I want to focus. I deleted Instagram off my phone because it's a waste of time. I'm like, son, get that app back because I need to talk. <laughs> I need to be acknowledged. I want to be acknowledged. And like even with Jihad, she's like, well, I mentioned you in Snapchat. I'm like, okay, but I want it on your story. I don't want it just to me. So she's just like, okay. And then my youngest will like go all out and like do a video and send me things. Oh. Like, he's really cute. And then my third guy. Well, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you. I love you. And thank you for having this beautiful conversation. Yes, take care, flamethrowers. And I suck you up and I spit you up.